So uh, every one of us has experienced both uh, good leadership and bad leadership in our lives. Every one of us has experienced that. You can think back to some really great leaders. Maybe, some, maybe it was your parents or you had a teacher or a coach or mentor or even pastor uh, that was like great, you know, that was great. And they were incredible leaders. And you really benefited from their example. You, you benefited from their encouragement or just the, honestly, you benefited from the time that they invested into your life. And it was powerful and it was really meaningful. And then uh, we've all experienced the other side where we've had uh, people that were leaders uh, and maybe you giggle about it a little bit. Maybe they weren't great. Um, or you had a really hard experience where you didn't experience great leadership at all and you um, felt hurt. You know, Maybe you were abandoned by a parent or someone that was meant to be present or someone that was supposed to be trustworthy or giving covering or help and they failed or even worse, abused. Uh, and we've experienced that kind of leadership as well in our lives. And because of that, it makes it really hard at times to trust leaders. It builds out sometimes a distrust. And yet, even in the midst of having distrust sometimes of leaders, especially those that are really on big platforms, when we have that distrust, there's still this hunger in our lives to experience good leadership, to see real leaders leading in meaningful ways that really bring life and value to us. And the question is, why, why do we still have that hunger? And I just want to submit this morning that we have that hunger because Jesus had that hunger in him, because it's a part of who we were designed to be, to long for good leadership. And it's the this thing that Jesus desired, and he starts to give this away to us in this prayer. And he builds this prayer. And we, again, uh, if you've missed any part of this series, you can go back and podcast or watch or whatever, listen to this series. But we've been taking this one prayer that Jesus gave, and he said, pray like this. We're going to read it here in a second. And he just began giving us ways of walking with the Father. He never meant for this prayer to be a formula, never meant for it to be this rote thing that we pray to make sure that we can get on with our day. He meant for this to open up new pathways for how we interact with the God of the universe, his Father, our Father. That's what he meant to do. And as he closes out this prayer scaffolding, he makes this incredible plea to the Father for his divine leadership in his life. Matthew 6, verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And then here's where he finishes. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, there's a, a lot to unpack, even in just this one verse here as we finish out. Jesus reaches out to his father for leadership. 
says, this is, by the way, just for clarity, Jesus teaching us to pray this way is because this is how he prayed. You want to know, you want to get an insight into how the son operates with the father. This is, he's giving it to us. And he's saying, I want you to lead me. I want to be led by my father. Now, we just take a step back. Is Jesus not the consummate leader himself? He is the greatest leader in the history of the world. There has been no one before him or after him that has had any leadership like the son of God. So why on earth is he asking for the father's leadership? Why is he asking for it? If he's the greatest leader, why is he asking for the father's leader? And we get to find out, we're going to find out here, the best leaders are the ones who are led well. Let me say that if you want to lead well, you got to be led well. You want to be, if you want to be a great leader, then we get to, we want to be led well. And what we're, we get to see here in this relationship between Jesus and his father is he was led perfectly as he was the one that followed him. Jesus is the greatest leader in the history of the world because he's led by the greatest, the father. And so what does he say? This is the way he puts it in John chapter five for us. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing. Hear this. The son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing for whatever the father does the son does likewise. I want us just to think about the leadership Jesus exhibited, right? He said, not my leadership, I'm following the father, the greatest leader in the history of the world. Perfect vision, perfect mission, perfect patience with his bungling followers, right? perfect passion and perfect chill. He's the perfect leader, right? If you think about Jesus, right, there would be moments of chaos going on around them, right? People coming up to him with diseases and dying. There's storms raging, right? People are running and saying, what are you going to do about this? There's demonic activity. There's just people constantly bringing the craziest, hardest, most life-changing moments of their lives. They're coming, they're either staring death in the face or they've experienced some tragedy. They're bringing this all the time. And what do we see? Jesus is chill in all those things. Never flustered at any moment, just perfectly embodying this father who's over all. And yet, at the same time, we'll find him around people who were being taken advantage of and abused. And we saw this passion rise up in him at the same time. Jesus had this crazy way of being both chill and passionate all at the same time. He'd express just righteous anger when there was injustice taking place. So we get to see this passion in him, and yet... We'd also see him in the middle of chaos, just, you know, you love the story, right? The disciples are just freaking out. They're fixing, the boat's about to be turned over. And Jesus is like, you, you guys don't trust the Father? Because I'll just speak to it. And the storm goes away. 
He's being led by the Father in such a powerful way. And so what we just see Jesus saying is, listen, my leadership is I just did what I saw the Father doing. This is how I was. You wanna know how I was the greatest leader? I just did what the Father did. And when he prays this prayer, what he's saying is, listen, if you want the right amount of chill and you want the right amount of passion in your life to exhibit and to have these things, here's the secret. Just come and listen to the Father. Come and listen to the Father. All right, because some of us are praying for that, right? You're, you're praying, God, would you, just, would you help me have more chill? in my life. Or you, some of you are asking, God, would you help me have more passion? Or, you know, or you're praying it for at least for other people. And there's certainly teenagers in here praying, God, would you please get my parents more chill in their lives or whatever, you know? We're just, we're constantly looking, what we're looking for is great leadership. We're looking for someone where they're in chaos that when, when I'm sorry, when, when chaos is going on, that they are right here with confidence that comes only from the Father. And then we're looking also, though, for passion when we see injustice to rise up and say, this is not okay. We all want to experience that. And he's setting this precedent that if you want to have this mix of incredible leadership in your own life, in your home, in your workplace, you want to experience all that, you want solid leadership, in your life, then you have a father who's already perfectly able to give everything to you. And so Jesus is saying, I chose not to pick up the reins in my life. So that's what he was saying. If you want great leadership, hear this. If you want, if you want to experience great leadership and you want to walk as a great leader, what Jesus said is, I didn't pick up the reins. I only did what the father told me. I was led well. I, 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 put, I put the reins down and then I opened my hands to the father and he led me. And I said yes to him. I laid them down. I didn't do my own agenda. I did what the father was leading me to do. We got to see it right at the end of his life. It said, if there's any way I could not go through this misery I'm about to go through, Lord, would you take this from me? But even if I'm gonna trust you, not my will. What did he say? Not my will, but yours. This is the picture of the greatest leader in the history of the world. Not my will. Not my way. I'm putting the reins down and I'm trusting the Father. Because this really is a question of control. It's a question of control. Here's a question. Who's in control of your life? When we start talking about leadership, what we want to talk about is control. And here's the question, who's in control? Now, listen, let's be honest. Control is something that we can all wrestle with, every one of us. There are some of you that have literally called yourself a control freak. You've said, I'm a control freak. And I just, I want to humbly submit to you, please never say that about yourself. Hear this, don't speak that about yourself. And I, let me tell you why. Because Jesus wasn't a control freak. Jesus wasn't a control freak. 
you don't have to be one either. In fact, you get to be led well. It doesn't mean that you don't get to make 10,000 decisions every day for the things that are going on in your life. But hear this, you and I are not resigned to having to be control freaks. And what, what, let's talk about control. Why do we do that, right? Because we think, unless I control this thing, unless I, unless I pick up the reins and I control this thing, it's not gonna get done right. It's not gonna be done well. And we feel like leadership is this thing to somehow take over and manage it down to the last little detail until everyone is like, okay, just you do you, right? And Jesus wasn't a control freak. He, in fact, he doesn't want that for you. In fact, what he's saying is what I want for you is rest for your soul. That there's a better leader than you who can lead you well. And when you and I are led well, we lead well. If you want to make awesome decisions in your life, because we often make decisions, you want to make awesome decisions, we got to put the reins down like Jesus and open our hands and come to the Father. The reason we try to control everything is because often we've experienced uh, pain and hurt or regret in our lives. And whenever we experience disappointment or hurt or pain or regret, one of two things happens. Always one of two things. We have two options, basically, where we can do what our flesh tells us to do, which is we self-protect, we pick up those reins, say, I'm going to live this life on my terms and make sure I'm never hurt again. I'm going to self-protect. I'm going to make sure that no one's ever going to hurt or mess up my life again. So we do that. Or when we experience pain or hurt or disappointment or regret, we come to the Father with our hands open. And we can bring to him our pain and our hurt and our disappointments and our regrets we can bring those to him in an authentic way and say, Lord, would you heal me? Would you heal me? And would you lead me? Let me tell you, those two totally radically different ways of living. We can self-protect. We can come to the Father. I'm telling you, I've been learning this whole thing in my own life. I've been learning all the ways in order to be good, awesome pastor man, that I will have a tendency to want to act like I got it all figured out and self-protect and show you that I'm awesome. And the Lord's saying, that's a bad way to lead. I love you, son. Don't do that. Or I can just come to the Lord instead of acting like super pastor and just my hands open and say, God, I'm just disappointed and hurt. And I just need you to lead me. I just need to be led by you. I'm gonna tell you, you want to live where there's where anxiety is melting off of you is when you and I can drop the reins and go, okay, I'm not in control. By the way, to think that you can be and are in control, it's an illusion. Let me tell you who's in control. The God of the universe. He's over it all. 
And if that's true, we can just follow him. Just listen to his voice. Just day in and day out. Moments in the morning, moments in the afternoon. I'm, this, I'm always struck. By, my, my wife does this so well all the time. She's just talking to God all the time. I, wish, I want that more in my life. I usually, when I try to spend time with the Lord, I'm like, all right, I need space here. I need quiet kids, you know, just like I'm trying to, you know, and I'm like, but you can just do this anytime. You can just, he's ready and present. I mean, Megan, she'll, she'll, sometimes she'll just start praying. I'm like, okay, it's time. We're, I thought we were going to ice cream, but we're just, we're going there, you know, but that's, you, we can have that with the father. That's what he actually wants with us. This is what he wants with us and for us. And that's so, man, how life-giving. We got to bring the wounds and the hurts to him and then say, Lord, would you lead me? And that's the best way to live. Someone's getting control in our lives. And I just think, I want to follow what Jesus prays here. Father, lead me. And I love what he prays here. And it's going to, we're going to have to just take a few minutes to un unpack this. He says, don't lead me into temptation, but deliver me from all the evil encircling me, which we have to actually ask the question, why on earth is Jesus asking the father not to, to, to lead him not into temptation? Would God do that? Does, does God do that? Does that seem like something that God does? Well, let's just explore this for a moment because there's a moment where Jesus is, he's just turned 30. God has said, it's time for your ministry to go forward. And then he comes and he gets baptized in a prophetic picture of him going into the grave and coming out alive by John the Baptist. And then what does he do? Immediately after Matthew chapter four, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Oh, dang. This kind of might mess with your theology a little bit. I hope it does. To which you can look at this moment and you might go, yeah, but Jesus is a superhero. So God's doing this superhero thing because Jesus could handle it. So God's leading him different then he would lead us, right? Listen, church, Jesus was led to be tempted exactly because that's what you and I experience every day. Jesus being led in this moment, not because he's given some special assignment or because he's a superhero, but he's given a call to face the same things you and I face every day and walk through them perfectly for us on our behalf. The truth is this, you and I don't take a breath or a step where we aren't tempted towards unbelief or disobedience. There's an opportunity. Every moment of our lives is an opportunity to go, now nah, I'm going to do it my way. No, thanks, God. Or, or, or there's a temptation to believe. No, I know that the word says that, but I don't, I don't really believe that. 
to, to, to walk in unbelief or disobedience. It's a regular part of the human experience is to walk and to, and to see there's moment by moment where we're tempted or there's an opportunity or moment to walk in unbelief or disobedience. It's a regular thing we experience. Jesus knows exactly what it's like to follow the leading of the Lord, to face temptation head on, just like you and I face it head on. There's something really unique, by the way, about this word temptation, the Greek root word for temptation. Here's this word, perasmos. There, that's, I, gave, I gave you my, there, thank you. I appreciate that because I actually, I just, I clicked the button on the Bible study and that's how you say it. So the Bible study software but I just wanted to, I'm not going to say it that way anymore, but just, it's just from now on, it's pay Rasmus. But anyway, um, it's actually featured in another place in scripture. One that if you've gotten to grow up in church, you've probably heard it before, but I'm going to share it with you. In James chapter one, we get to see it used again. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials or pay Rasmus of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So you just go, wait a second, wait a second, wait. This seems really discombobulating. In one moment, we have Jesus saying, Father, don't lead me into perasmos. And then you have this moment where James is saying, oh, feel joy when you face perasmos because it's building something in you. How do those two things exist? You ever come to the Bible and just been like, it's a little schizo. Like, have you, ever, have you ever done that? You guys ever? No, and you're like, you can't say that in church, dude. Stop. We all have. You've come to the word and you're like, hey, well, this just at, in, a, in a glance does not make sense. Same root word. How is this, how do these two things work together? How do we understand these two verses when we face trial or temptation? And James, by the way, is just gonna bring beautiful clarity to this, and by the way, as the word of God always done, will, it will always bring you to beautiful clarity, but there are mysteries that God wants us to pull, to come to him for. And so it's easy to just like, ah, it doesn't make sense. Bible's weird, I'm out. But if you'll go there with the Lord, he has something beautiful to say. And actually just a few verses later, what he says in James chapter one, verse 13 says, let no one say when he's tempted, same root word, I'm being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one to which we can all go. Okay, good. All right. Glad we got that cleared up. But here's what he says. Verse 14. But each person is tempted, perasmos, when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So Jesus isn't contradicting James and James isn't contradicting Jesus. You go back when Jesus says, lead me not into temptation. What he's, he's pointing out, what James gives us clarity to, which is Jesus saying, if if temptation comes from this internal broken desire in us, then what Jesus is saying is, Father, don't let me pick up the reins inside. When Jesus says, lead me not into temptation, he says, when the moment comes, help me to drop and open my hands and not pick up that desire thing that's in me that's broken and say, no, 
It's the desire in you that I want. I love this picture. It says, not leave me. Because by the way, the spirit led Jesus out to be tempted. And we also are led often to moments of trial and temptation because God's wanting to produce something deep. But what Jesus says is not into, not into the place that's broken inside the heart. That's what he's unpacking for humankind is I didn't go that way. You understand Jesus had the capacity to go that way, fully God, but fully man, and had to walk it, led by the Holy Spirit in the Father, perfectly for us. If he could come out and go, I can't do, if there was some way for him to not be, to, 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 I'm sorry, to say it this way, if there's some way for him to face temptation and not really to be a temptation, then it's not a real savior. He's a real savior. He really was a man. He really was faced every moment with a decision to unbelieve or disobey. And God said, not my way, just the father's. And he did that for us so that when we fall short, we get his perfection. And so he's saying, don't let me go into the way. Or he's teaching us to pray. Don't let me go into the way of my own way of that broken thing. The Father has these incredible, beautiful desires that he wants to put in each one of us. In fact, when you and I say yes to Jesus, he starts reorienting our desire. Here, think, hear this. Desire is not the enemy. It's because there are some powerful passions and desires we're all meant to carry. Desire is not the enemy. The temptation to go my way is the enemy. And that's why he says, don't lead me into going with broken desires. And then what does he say? But deliver me from evil. So here's what he's saying is, I got the, there's the internal thing where we say, don't let me pick up the reins. And two, don't let me partner with the evil one or what the enemy wants to say or do in my life. That's what he, so when you're talking about asking for the leadership of the father, this is the beautiful picture is, Lord, let me not pick up the reins. And two, Lord, would you keep that ugly one from me? But Satan, he's the ugly one. I don't think he's ever described that way. But it is my mind, he's ugly. That's the temptation is exchanging the rich desires that God has for us for the fake ones, for the broken ones, for the evil ones. And so that's how we get to finish this morning. And it's time to finish. And Luke, you can come up. What are the, here, here's the question. What are the rich, rich desires in you that evil wants to steal from you? What are the rich desires? I'm not supposed to put away desire. The question is, what are the things that might come from the heart that are stealing from the power and passion that God wants to grant to us? What are the places where we might feel tempted to go the other way? That's the question that we all get to wrestle with is who gets control and who gets leadership? 
And is there anything lurking about that would just keep us from the richest, most awesome, powerful, life-giving desire that God wants to put in us? That's the question. You guys stand with me. We're just gonna close. Father, we just wanna take this moment and give this moment to you and ask the question, is there anything in me? Would you just ask him this? So I pray this over you. Is there anything in me that is stealing from rich, pure desire that you have to give? Temptation, trial, testing. that makes me want to pick up the reins and do it myself. Would you just ask the Lord that? Is there any place I'm trying to pick up the reins and self-protect? Is there any place where I feel tempted and it's stealing from better the thing that you have for me? I just want to give that to you. I'm just going to give you two minutes, 20 seconds. Would you just give that to him right now? Just name it. I'm not going to ask you to come up here, raise your hand or any of that kind of stuff. But I do want you just to do business with the Lord and say, Lord, here's the thing where I'm tempted to pick up the reins and to take control. Lord, we give those to you right now. We just just hand it over to you. We put the reins down. In fact, would you just tell them, here's, I'm putting the reins down with this and I'm just asking you to heal me and lead me. Just right now, hand it over. Just, Lord, I put down the reins for this and I'm asking you to heal me and lead me. I wanna listen to your voice, what you say. Heal me, lead me. Lord, make that a regular prayer we pray every day. Lord, heal me and lead me. Lord, we put down the thing that we wanna pick up. We choose not to be in control. We give you control. We receive your goodness and your faithfulness, your perfection. Jesus, you live a perfect life for us and on our behalf. So we choose to pick it up. We receive what you give to us. We laid down the reins this morning. Heal us and lead us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We'd love to be able to pray with you. We're gonna, and just, I'm fixing to pray a benediction as you go. We have prayer partners will be available just to pray with you about anything going on in your world. We'd love to pray. Uh, we'd love to be a praying church to connect and pray with each other. So I'll have prayer partners at the front here. Um, Let me pray this over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's what we want, Lord. Your presence and your peace. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Blessings, guys. Love y'all. We'll see you next week. Prayer partners will be down front.